Welcome to the Kintsugi Heroes podcast, where we share inspirational stories of everyday people going through different challenges and how they overcome them. Please be aware that the story you're about to hear may have moments of deeply felt emotions and personal experiences. If anything you hear has a triggering effect, please reach out to someone who can help keep you safe. If you love this conversation, we'd love you to like and share it with your friends so we can continue to share more inspiration and hope to as many people as possible. Now, listen up for our next hero story. In this story, I met with Indra Hoffman, a Hungarian-born Australian who had a fascinating story that explained the, the lengths and the depths that we go to run away from pain and our family history and trauma. And his was, I suppose, you know, a couple of decades, maybe even three decades worth of running away and fighting the trauma and trying to heal from a toxic relationship with his father. He then went through the, the journey being in New Zealand without a permit, trying to get work, going through all these challenges, which all related back to his issues that were unresolved and the way we run away from things. Well, Andrew ran away to the other side of the world and he didn't solve it until he solved the actual issues. And it was his wife who gave him an ultimatum eventually that maybe forced him to look at himself and heal. And he shares this story with compassion and love, vulnerability and honesty. It was a beautiful story to hear and I know that it was challenging for him to share it. Yet I'm sure it's one that we can all relate to in, in some way. So I hope you enjoy this one with Endra. Hello and welcome, Endra, to Kinsigi Heroes podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here today. How are you? Thanks very much. It's great to be here and share this story. I'm really honoured that you've chosen to come along and share this. And uh, and so how about we just get started? Uh, I'd love you to, to take us back, take me back to where your story began and take us through everything that happened. Uh, this story starts in New Zealand in 2002. Things happened before, so I might jump back uh, to a bit of history that I've had in my family with my father. We did not connect well at all, or I felt ignored or not loved and I was always looking for ways to feel secure, feel that my life makes sense or I matter. And I have been a bit like Neo in the Matrix. You saw the movie where I had this splinter in my mind and I never felt safe. And that took me uh, to a lot of adventures and before New Zealand, I lived in Ireland for a while. I just could not handle this disconnect with my father, and probably I was disconnected from myself as well. And I was very angry inside, uh, beating myself up, and 
all I knew at that time that something is wrong with my father or myself and life is not uh, what it meant to be or I'm living someone else's life. So with all of these and with a, an amazing banking career behind me, I decided to live in uh, Ireland at a time and later on I was so angry with my father and my whole family because they were the reason I thought of my psychological issues or not feeling uh, good enough, not feeling that I can be a contributing person to anything. This worthlessness was killing me inside. And because I could not win this game, I started to become very angry. And I got so angry toward my father that I wished the worst to this man who I meant to love. I couldn't love him. And I hated him to the level of I I was hoping that he would divorce my mom. He would die. And then came guilt with with all of these. And because he didn't disappear, he didn't die, he didn't divorce my mom, I thought I have to disappear because then my issues will resolve and I can start a new life. So, of course, then I had a girlfriend. And she has told me she would love to go to New Zealand. Then I almost jumped on the idea to escape and resolve a new life. And with all this, we have arrived to New Zealand with the dreams of starting a new life. And like good tourists, on a tourist visa, we started off with living in the backpackers in downtown Auckland. And soon enough, we realized this is such a great place. We want to live here uh, longer than the tourist visa. And it's never an easy shift from being a visitor to a resident. And I was always looking for opportunities and jobs. And with all this <laughs> history of my university degrees and the career, we were, as we were looking for opportunities, I was knocking on doors at one stage to apply for cleaning jobs. And I felt rejected. I could not even make a deal to clean the backpackers or do any sort of uh, made duties to, to sort of make some living. And I felt very unsafe. It was going on like this for weeks. In the meantime, my girlfriend found out that she is on the occupational shortage list because by profession, she was a dental technician. And in a few weeks time, she was able to nail her job in a, in a, in a, in a clinic. And it was all very good, but I felt, uh, that I, must have a job and there was remember a few days when i jumped on a train and i thought well i always make it somehow so i went to this 
industrial areas. You can imagine where people are driving around in cars. And I was walking through these warehouses, knocking on doors, printed out CVs to be employed in a laborer job. And I didn't have a work permit. That's question one normally in a new country. Also, the next question is, have you got any experience in this country? It's a main question, I believe. And I was in this sketch 22, and I felt so much rejection, more and more angry at myself and asking myself, what am I doing? Why am I doing this at all? Uh, and I got so desperate that I thought, I need to get out of this place. And I decided to pick apples or whatever agriculture or seasonal work is available. And one day I said to my girlfriend, well, can't feel this <laughs> hopelessness each day. I will do something. And I left to go to Napier, find a work. And the way I did it, I always had this sense of, well, let's see what help is going to arrive into my life. I wanted to hitchhike because I knew that would probably connect me with someone. And somewhere around Hamilton, it was early afternoon that day, pastor has picked me up. And this pastor has, I was heading to Taupo, that's the middle of the island, another one and a half to two hours. And as we were talking, and he meant to drop me off at a turnoff, he said, "My, why not come to stay with us? Because this is at least three hours shorter to your girlfriend to maintain the relationship or travel. So I decided to give up that plan. And I lived with them in Taupo for another two or three weeks. And I was kind of working around the house, helping the way I could and looking for opportunities again. Constant rejection everywhere. And then I was able to find a food and beverage attendant job uh, at a golf court or a, in an international resort. And I found myself among 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. I was 29 at the time. And again, I really did not connect. I felt so out of place that uh, I thought I need to get back to Auckland to join my partner, my because I thought we're going to have children, we'll have a wonderful life together. And also I had to submit some papers to immigration, all of those things. And then I got a call one day where uh, my girlfriend said, well, I fell in love with someone in the dental clinic. And she said she decided to get married. And uh, it just hit me so deep. I was in a new country. We had our plans together. And in about three or four weeks' time, she escaped. Uh, and the rejection pattern were just uh, so painful at the time. And by the time I was able to get back to Auckland, then at the time I thought, well, Probably it's just a fluke. Women tend to 
have these ups and downs. I found out when I got back to Auckland that uh, she lived with this homosexual couple. It was a very messy house, and I was not allowed to move into the room. And the message was clear that I would need to start my own life. And luckily, I had a few months work permit through our relationship. So I had about three or four months to sort of secure myself, somehow establish myself in New Zealand or even stay in the country. And then I went almost on a job hunt to be able to get a work. And the questions are always the same. Have you ever worked in New Zealand? And what kind of uh, experiences have you got? So my questions were, uh, or my answers were always very simple. No, I haven't. And then somehow one day I found this, this job of driving a super shuttle. Some of you may know there are these multi-drop, multi-pickup vans running around the airport from New Zealand. And I came to somehow pass the interview and I got that job. But the pressures were absolutely over the top for me. I never driven on the left side of the road in the first place. I have not been driving a vehicle, especially this long, with a trailer. And the trailer behind it is not a normal trailer. It's even, it's narrow. See, you cannot even see it through the mirror. And there were plenty of times where I needed to reverse and find myself on addresses that when I had to drive in, then find my way out. At that time, there were no GPS. And I was always hoping for red light because that was the absolute blessing for me. Because can you believe I had a street directory on my lap as I didn't know the road back and forth to the airport? That was like these people had to catch their planes and these this kind of role is is very time based you really need to make those multi pickups and drop offs and at times i turned into wrong streets because of the stress that it caused me i was sweating buckets and then i had to reverse up from places then these Clients, customers were expecting me to chit chat. <laughs> it was absolutely impossible for me. And then these old high Toyota vans had pretty noisy diesel engine at the time. Plus, I was called on the two-way radio in this strange Kiwi accent. I didn't even speak proper English at the time. So I had to pick up the language plus the accent. Uh, uh, it was almost impossible for me to exist from trip to trip. And uh, I felt so alone, so helpless. And I've used this work somehow as a therapy to overcome the pain that I was dealing with, which was left behind, being alone without connections, even knowing anyone in the country. And the way I did it, I worked six days, 
The seventh day I went shopping and I did the washing. Then I was back working probably 12, 13 hour days, as much as there was available. And it landed me in a place in a few months, probably in six or eight weeks time, when I started to enjoy the job where I was told by authorities that in a few months' time that I would be basically kicked out of the country because I'm not working in a role that is uh, ideal for me to stay. I'm not a skilled migrant or such. And uh, then came this new idea that I have all of these strange folks in the van every day and maybe they could land me in a job. And this was banking and finance. And I started to online every day applying for jobs. Well, it's definitely not an ideal candidate because I, they were looking for someone long-term, six or 12 months. So with all of the trainings that they wanted to provide, well, I wasn't even sure that I can stay in the country. So again, hundreds of rejection emails coming through daily. Sometimes I didn't even look at them. Can I ask you, Indra, at this point, given your girlfriend had left, found someone else, you were alone, working very long hours in a job that was difficult because of all the things you mentioned. Did you feel at this point, well, what's the point? As in, why don't I just go back to Hungary or back to Europe somewhere? Did that cross your mind? It did cross my mind. And somehow, I there was no place to go back because there was so much pain waiting for me back home. And probably what kept me going was I didn't want my father to say, you see, you can't even do this because that was pretty much the, the usual conversation that why did you do this? Why did you do that? So much criticism about uh, what I was trying to do. And basically, I started a headhunt, an absolute crazy headhunt among my passengers. I started to have very purposeful conversations about, <laughs> I have worked out an absolute <laughs> short and down-to-detail questionnaire to find out if they are working in finance, what kind of role or what kind of positions they are holding, and then get their contact to somehow stay there. And it didn't go well. Again, I found it harder and harder to... I, I They were friendly and helpful, of course, and my applications were failing. Also, I went to see immigration lawyers and asked for support and help. And they... Basically, in 45 minutes, they said, you had no chance. You want to just pack up and leave. That's all we can do for you. And I thought, well, it may be. That's what they're telling me, but I will do something otherwise. And I started to uh, keep doing my little headhunt while I was working. And on the rank on the airport, one night, I had this lady, at the single worst possible. You usually wait one and a half 
pass to get to the top of the rank. When a passenger gets in, it takes about 15 minutes to wait for other passengers to join. And when you're lucky, then you have a $100 run at the time. That was would have been great. Now, this was an $18 trip with a single woman getting me off the rank. I hated it because I've been hoping that I'll make some money. And when I was talking to her, I found out she is actually a wife of the IT, head of IT at GE Finance. And this started a conversation. I got a few details and somehow in the next month or so, I landed myself as a collection officer part-time at GE. That was this hope of a breakthrough. And I hated the job. It was, <laughs> you ever called people in the middle of their dinner, but they never want to talk to you because they get that call every day or every second day. Well, then you know what hatred is. And I had these experiences daily for hours on the phone. And I was hoping that maybe someone one day would be grateful for what I do. And eventually I was able to get through to customer service. But inside me, this aimlessness, even at this corporate job, was just uh, taking me away from job. I felt uh, so out of myself. I felt that my life is an absolute uh, disgrace. I, I've never, I will not amount to anything. It would be uh, my whole life from one place to the next, never really enjoying what I do. And one day I asked this uh, IT manager, who was Jim, and I asked him, you know, now I've got this job, I still have, not sure whether I can stay in the country. I was hoping about getting a relationship, not even close, didn't really connect with a lot of people. I was absolutely disconnected. And I asked him, you know, what would you say to yourself? This was a 55-year-old, well-seasoned manager. And I asked him, you know, tell me that what should I think to have hope? to have areas of my life to fall into place. And I remember that day, and I felt really disempowered, as usual. And he said, just give it time, and you will see your life will, uh, everything will fall into place. And that gave me a little bit of hope. And slowly I started to meet a few people. Uh, I went to do some paragliding and skiing and climbing mountains, still on a bit of a suicidal path. Everything dangerous was my way. But it started to pick up. But what really is the message for me is I was so lost in my head all along, trying to maybe 
prove to myself that I am worthy or I'm good or I can contribute and not be almost a victim to the circumstances like a valuable member of society. And that never happened until about 18 years later. Sorry for the interruption. This is Ian Westmoreland, the founder of Kintsugi Heroes, and thank you for listening to this story from one of our amazing heroes. Our mission is for these stories to provide hope and inspiration to people experiencing life challenges and to also educate the broader community on how best to provide support. If you would like to help us to continue to produce more hero stories and cover more adversity themes, we would welcome all donations. These can be made via our website, kintsukiheroes.com.au. The donate function is at the bottom of the homepage. We'd also welcome any feedback. You can email me direct using ian at kintsugiheroes.com.au. Now let's get back to the story. Andrew, can I ask at this point, um, did you get your work visa extended from this finance manager, the husband of the woman you picked up in the in the shuttle bus? It led me to this impossible situation where I found out GE as an American company are not allowed to sponsor anyone. And then I had a number of discussions with leaders and managers team and they did what they could to help me but my whole life while I was going through this mental struggle and emotional struggle was never having security inside and outside it led to waiting for some kind of words from immigration to be able to stay and I remember it was a Friday when by the time I should have left the country, by because I should have prepared to leave, and there was no word. And I said to myself, "Well, maybe God or the universe will decide for me this day, because from tomorrow on Saturday I will be pretty much a illegal person in the country, so probably I'll be thrown out." And there was a phone call, 3 p.m., that, that was confirming that they will send out some paperwork that I can uh, stay in the country. And it was quite a relief. And it lasted. Uh, <laughs> I was so happy that something worked. <laughs> that pressure was gone. And... Then another six or eight months, it took me to have myself established to sort of a, from work permit to start residency and paperwork. Uh, that was again a long lasting, uh, progress, but yes, it was hanging in the air inside and outside. That was the experience all along. And and when you got given that extension and that granted that ability to stay, did that make your self-worth feel any better? It was an absolute boost. I realised that 
maybe just I need to listen to myself and follow that inner voice which says keep going that way and find the outcome that you're looking for. And that really showed me that things actually can work when one is committed. Committed to an outcome, even though there was not much clarity behind the plan. It was almost, I have to say, coming from a very reactive point of view that <laughs> probably towards my ex-girlfriend that you left me now see that I will stand up from this impossible challenge. Maybe proving it to myself as well. And as I found out, I was probably proving myself to my father for the next 10, 15 years. So did you stay in New Zealand then? Uh, I did for mm -hmm. another five or six years. When I realized that I do not connect well with the people. And again, it probably was not the people around me. I was disconnected inside. Mm. Then, yes, I left. Where did Europe. you go next? Europe. Okay. Yes, it was Europe. Uh, and it was a bumpy road towards uh, finding myself and be able to make some sense of the word, which I, I'll be honest, I could not make any sense. All of these challenges that I went through, but I did build some kind of inner strength because I was able to then later call upon this absolutely lost and powerless place mm. where I was able to withstand the emotional, mental challenges that I have been through. So I've been able to use this as putting things into perspective. To say I was able to get through that, then whatever is in front of me is small potato. Did you feel like a failure when you went back to Europe or had, did you see it as just another step in the journey? I had this plan in communism where I was born into. The state had these five-year-old or five-year term plans, which businesses probably use. And I was so clueless about what I want to do with my life. I had in my mind five-year terms to make the best out of my life if I have no idea who I am and what I want to do. So it did fit into that idea that, well, I'll just change and then see where it's going to take me. And about five years, which was four and a half, I again left Europe where I've met my father again and things did not change. It was still a wounded 
disconnected relationship where he had more and more illnesses one to put the other where he was pretty much killing himself with cancer uh, he had this muscle shrinkage disorder then came stroke and uh, there was one more that eventually led to his death about six years ago so you were were you living in europe when he passed away I was uh, already in Australia, mm-hmm. and it was very interesting because when I went to see him last, I have seen finally that he had a soul, where he wanted to give me a hug before I left, which did not really happen, ever. I think he knew we would never see each other again, or at least to his reality, we will never meet. Mm. And he was even hanging on to me, holding me. I was sending letters from New Zealand to wake him up from this, about his patterns of controlling everything, blaming people and being angry and uh, patronizing and not trusting. And maybe those letters have eventually cracked the ice, but probably his illnesses were uh, the the final and last straw to start to reflect and maybe learn about himself and how he had been living this small life with very limiting ideas and concepts about himself. You've taken us to the point where you're in Australia. So obviously you left Europe after four and a half years and you moved, I'm assuming, to Australia. Is that right? And then Correct, there are, yes. Yeah. And established yourself in Australia because obviously you're still here and that's why we're talking in the same time zone. Um, and how long have you been in Australia now? It has been 10 years. Uh, wow. And. It took me through again my normal roller coasters, which was a very difficult time where it was not just about me this time, but two children and a wife. And this started in, uh, in back in Budapest, Hungary, where I started a businesses that started to fail. Probably because I was causing them to fail, but uh, this limited concept about myself again showed up its uh, ugly head in unemployment in Australia which started to ruin my family I have almost become my father I had been non-existent to the family I've been working and working hard that's what one of the patterns my father had Maybe I was escaping to work too. And it took me to work part-time and be able to change that part-time work into a full-time salary or start a new life as a business. But, of course, that has never happened. And it led me to almost to the end of my marriage 
and to a place where I was disconnected from my children. So the trauma has almost been repeated and passed on. Uh, that was just maybe a miracle that it started to shift. So what was the turning point for you then? You obviously had awareness of your father's disconnection from a young age. What about yourself? You know, when were you aware of that? And when did things start to change for you? Uh, it, was, it was so deep, this last valley of that roller coaster that my children started to slap me in the face when I fell asleep at these bedtime stories because I worked about 13 hours a day. Then I did my home business, which was another two, three hours. And I was trying to get to these bedtime stories and my children were allowed. I gave them permission to hit me in the face if I fall asleep. And that usually happened plenty of times when usually my wife took over the reading and I was crawling back into the other room to sleep, my usual five hours, to then go back to work the next day. And one day after this slapping competition, uh, my wife told me that it's time for us to maybe separate because this is just not working. I'm not present and there's just no point for us to move on uh, living in this kind of impossible place for, a, for children and, and a wife. And that, that was, I believe, when I became out of misery, 10 out of 10, committed to seek and fix myself forever. If that was the last, this was my thought. If resolving this issue was my last thing that I could do in my life, then I will not spare any expenses. I will not spare time or effort to make that happen. And I've put my life on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what attracted probably the solution. So you, you put out the intention energetically and from your heart and obviously your soul. It sounded like it was pretty a pretty desperate and dire situation. Absolutely. And looking back, it is really sad that it had to be so dramatic to be ready for change and seek solution, guidance, or find a specialist who could find me under all of these limiting patterns and concepts and this false self-image that I've been carrying with myself for a long time. And of course, with the right help, it started to shift within pretty much a year or two. Um, who was there to help you, Indra? So what did, who did you go to? What did you do? And then, yeah, 
Because obviously you couldn't do this on your own, right? I could not access that core version of myself. Or, or this is unconscious mind, and it does not want to open up normally. I was looking for. <laughs> I I attended number of weekend events. Uh, Anthony Robbins, John D. Martinez, Millionaire Mind. <laughs> one after the other and it did not work for a long time and eventually I decided to get one-on-one -on -one help and for me the solution came with learning about NLP and have NLP used by someone else in my mind to, to break through these limitations And that has led to absolutely a new life. <laughs> I've become a new version of me. I've become the brand is called the doctor of self-worth. And I show up for people like I used to be every day who have these mind viruses that are somehow being suggested. And they've been hypnotized to forget who they are. So I've become this inspirational person in my family. I do have uh, a business now where I finally do what I love and I feel called to contribute to people, planet and the environment. And eventually my life <laughs> made sense. Um How did your wife experience the journey out of the pit, you know, from the point that she said, I think we should separate, to you finding a way to keep everything together? What was the journey like for her? Or what do you think she experienced? Still, it was not an easy one because she had to support me through this and it took time away from the family again, apart from the job and apart from these failed businesses that I've been <laughs> trying to succeed in. And I think she's so, or she, maybe she just believed that one day, and I told them that one day I will break through this. And I think there was a time in the middle of this process where They absolutely lost any belief that anything is going to change. So I was almost like, you may have heard these drug addict. I was addicted to work or addicted to alcohol where people are promising day after day that I would change. That was me for a long time. And what I love now is that if a few people that I, and some groups that I can really help is there is actual help for everyone to whatever challenge they have. And it does not need to take 30 years, 35 years that I have been through. How long did it take you? Well, it was a good 35, 40 years of my life. 
before you figured out what you needed to do? Before I woke up mm. from the trance, from the false beliefs that I have been hypnotized with, or what I've been conditioned to believe about myself, or let's say the way I have processed what happened to me. Because the bottom line is this. Nothing inherently has a meaning. Nothing. Whatever's happening to you or whoever's done anything in itself, it does not have a meaning about yourself. And this is where the mind tends to let us down mm -hmm. and creates disempowering stories and deep-rooted beliefs about limiting ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm passionate about, to change that, to pull it out with the roots mm -hmm. for people to build a new life and make it fast. That's amazing, Andra. Um, how do your family experience you now? What's their perception of you now compared to what it was before? I think, and I want to talk to women, maybe listening. I think in women there is this deep need to have a man in their life that has a mission, who he, who knows who he is. And he's taking an action towards that outcome. And very few men has that type of purpose in life. And that really attracts the feminine. And that's what tends to happen when my relationship started to fall into this new phase where we really love each other. And of course, the relationship with my children has absolutely in a new dimension that they are looking up at me as a role model who is able to help people and help them when it's time to find the root cause of issues or their challenges or their fears or anxieties or where they are getting stuck. That's, that's amazing. How do you feel about your life now? When you wake up, when you woke up this morning, how did you feel? I was so happy because mm. I am feeling energized. I am living this dream where I have these wonderful interviews where I can share my story. I do provide a lot of small videos and articles where I run help people to bite-size transform them, be able to overcome their own struggles because we all have them. And I believe mm -hmm. there is a rapid way to drop it and move on and <laughs> start a new life or create a new life or allow the new life to happen with a new magnetic field. That's what I love to hear the stories about about my clients. <laughs> That's beautiful. Daily. If um, you've raised a number of 
challenges and issues that you went through, Indra. Obviously, there was the more human challenges of being a, a new citizen or a, a migrant in a country where you didn't speak the language and trying to get jobs. But the, the, the theme through everything that you shared was this lack of self-worth and being very disconnected from yourself. And and then all the impacts of that on all the key areas of your life, you know, your relationships, your finances, and your relationship with yourself. So if there's someone listening to this right now who's experiencing anything similar to what you've shared, what gold nugget or what, what would you like to say to them right now that could make things a bit easier for them? I believe... <laughs> You really need to find out what drives your life or behavior. And these are the thoughts in your head, the stories that you're telling yourself. And if you really want to speed up the process, then find someone who has a reputation. And you can even get people on free sessions to work out what are these core issues that are holding you back from having an amazing life because it's a lot of work to do it on your own and probably you will turn around after even if you stay with them for a few sessions or you seek help that they have put you into the fast lane of changing results and that would be probably the best investment in your life. Just make sure that person has amazing raving reviews and that person has results behind them because that is very important to check out every time. So the key is don't do it alone. <laughs> um, be bold and brave because that takes a level of vulnerability as well to, to mm. step out of your own little world to let someone in. Um, and it's important obviously to feel safe with the person that you open up to and have a level of trust and connection with them. Yes, you, you really nailed it. I would Sometimes we have a safe space to share, mm. but it does not always get you the other side of resolving it. And at times sharing is just re- triggering you or reliving the experience that has been really difficult for you to deal with. So I would say get someone to help you who has a reputation to resolve it because I've seen a lot of people decades working with trauma or all kinds of limiting patterns and they have not resolved it. And they spent a lot of money and time, whereas they could have reached out to someone or making sure jump off therapy or stop it if it's if you feel that you are not getting results, things are not changing in your head and around your mm. emotions. This, mm. I believe, this market, what we call self development or personal development, has to be cleaned up. Mm. And this is where. I hope I'm one of the pioneers who says, you don't get results, then I don't need your money. Mm. I don't deserve it. But unfortunately, 
a lot of practitioners, healers are exchanging their time for money. Thank you for that intro. I love how you've been able to turn your life journey into a gift to the world, you know, from a place of literally having nothing and feeling like nothing to now giving people their lives back. And uh, I just want to thank you for being you. And I'm so glad that you figured it out. I'm so glad that you really got there and your perseverance is unparalleled. Like I'm listening to your story and just going, wow, this guy really, you know, has, has had it hard. And, you know, I'm really impressed by the, the things that you did to stay in New Zealand and continue to work for the things that you felt at the time was important. So well done to you. Thanks very much. I really love connecting with you. And I think the best thing in a person's life is finding true target. Something that really resonates inside. And you are a master at that, Evelyn. Purposeful life. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate that. I appreciate your honesty and uh, authenticity and being so vulnerable with your story today. Thanks. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Kintsugi Heroes. Please like and share the show to your friends so we can get this out to even more people. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, please reach out using the contact details below and join us next week for our next Heroes story. Until then, keep being you and remember that we are all heroes in our own unique way. Only when it's broken Only when you're broken